Depression with me, your host, Diva with Depression. I hope you guys are doing well today. Um, I'm just going to get right into today, to today's interview. We have a wonderful person on today. And you guys know how I always say that I have met some great people um, while doing the work on this platform. And this is just another beautiful soul that I have met along the way. So welcome to you, Miss Talia. Thank you, Miss Didi. I appreciate you so much. And thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here with you. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad to, that you were able to come on. Um, you know, I, I was so grateful when you reached out to me, like I told you last time, um, because that summit was so much for me, um, technically. <laughs> so I didn't know what I was doing, but thank you for reaching out. My pleasure. I'm glad I did too. Yes. yes this is so cool. You're just such a delight. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You are too. Thank We're going to start right away. Okay. Let's tell us who Talia is. Sure. So <laughs> Talia is an 11 year cancer survivor, almost 12 years actually uh, next month. And prior to my cancer diagnosis, probably like a lot of people out there listening, I was living a life that basically society said I needed to live. And by that, I mean, you know, um, getting, going to college, getting a degree, getting a great corporate, great, I'm doing air quotes, corporate America job. And next is the nice, you know, house with the white picket fence and kids. Well, cancer kind of threw all of that to the wayside. And it kind of took me by surprise because I was never really sick prior to my diagnosis. And by that, I mean, other than the cold or the flu, mm -hmm. I, I was never sick, never spent the night in the hospital, never broke a bone, anything like wow. that. So Didi, I like to tell people I wasn't your average healthcare consumer. Right. I would go, you know, for my annual exams, eye exams, physicals, that kind of thing. But beyond that, I really didn't have much interaction with the healthcare system, thankfully. Isn't that something? Yes, yes. Wow. And so what made you, was it a regular physical or was there like a specific cold symptom or something that made you go to the doctor? Well, really, Didi, it was a combination of both of those things. So it was happened to be my time of the year to go and have an annual exam, okay. to have a physical. But then also a couple of weeks prior to my physical, I discovered a lump on the side of my neck. Oh. And mind you, Didi, this was 10 years prior to my actual one year prior to my actual diagnosis. Oh, wow. And you'll see what I mean in a minute. So 2010 went in for a physical, pointed out the lump on my neck and my doctor just basically blew it off. She's like, you work out all the time. It's probably just a pulled muscle. Well, with me going back and trying to climb the corporate ladder, stress from work, trying to help other people, I put myself last. And right. so I take some of the blame for that 
Um, I could have easily went to a different doctor. I could have pushed, got another opinion, whatever, but I did not do that. And at the time I was making all these excuses. Oh, I'm too busy. It's probably nothing, you know, uh, when reality deep down, I knew it was something, Yeah. but I'm sharing this DD because now when I look back and I'm a much healthier person overall, I can see that it had more to do with just me, you know, it had to do with fear. It had to do with me not putting myself first and right. quite frankly, my level of self-worth at that time. And so all of those things played a factor. Now, should the doctor have done her due diligence? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, if I, you know, didn't do my part, I'll step up and say it. And I didn't right. do my part as a patient. And that's why I'm, I'm so involved in the work that I do today, because for various reasons, people don't advocate for themselves. Exactly. Oh. <clears throat> First of all, um, the medical um, c community as a whole just um, always pisses me off, um, especially when it comes to our black and brown communities. So <clears throat> that's, that's not surprising that they didn't follow up. Um, the corporate you know, situation, I can definitely identify with that. Um, that's what sent me over the edge, um, living in that corporate environment and not taking care of yourself. So I understand that. Um, what was your reaction when you found out? And I know everybody asked you that, but I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> okay, sure. So one year later, I went to a different doctor suggested by my mom, a doctor she was seeing, totally different reaction, Didi. Um, she touched it. She was concerned. She asked questions. Yeah. And immediately I could tell that it was more than just I didn't know what it was, to be honest. I knew it was something I didn't, cancer never entered my mind. But um, I had to go through a series of tests to finally mm -hmm. get that diagnosis. And I got that diagnosis on a Friday evening, driving home from work. So when the nurse shared that news with me, of course, I was shocked. I was devastated. I like, I, it was like, I heard a foreign language, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I actually had an out of body experience. Like what? Right. Who's she talking to? Exactly. <laughs> she can't be talking to me. <laughs> Did they get this wrong or, you right. know, so it was shock. It was fear. So many different emotions really came up once I made it home. And as I was trying to make sense out of what I heard. Wow. I, I asked you that because it, it, I have two um, close situations with cancer. And I think I shared with you about my sister that passed away in 2018. And she had been getting sick, um, you know, with different symptoms, probably six months or more prior to her diagnosis. She had been to the doctor um, and her delay was also, I think, a little bit of fear, you know, that it was something more, but also because I was living with PCOS and her symptoms were similar. I think that she sort of thought that that, you know, we shared notes. And the first time that she went to the hospital, they sent her home, you know, with, with you know, and with a major, major issue. And, and they sent her home. And you just always, you can always see the, um, the quality of care 
in the places that you go. And so that the first hospital that she went to was a crummy hospital. And um, by, but by the time she got to another hospital and, and got it in line, there wasn't much that she could do. Uh, the second thing is my older brother who um, myself and my brothers are like glue traps. Um, and so, you know, I moved down here in 18 and I want to say the end of 2019, um, he went in for a routine checkup and they found a lump on the side of his ear and it ended up being um, throat cancer. And he lives in Greensboro now. And I went with him, you know, I, of course, started going there, you know, with his um, doctor visits. And I can't even explain to you how the type of medical setting compared to some of the settings in Charlotte, blown away, blown from beginning to end. And it was just unbelievable, you know? So um, don't blame yourself too much because that's something that they're supposed to find. You know, they're supposed to be versed in that. Um, as soon as, especially for a woman, as soon as you find a lump, shouldn't you check it out? You think that doctors would do that? Yeah. I don't know. Thank you for so, saying that. No, really. The, I mean, we blame ourselves, but you know, part of it is the superwoman thing that us black women do. And, um, just running and not taking care of ourselves. And, and then when we do get in these positions, we think it's our fault and it's not. We were conditioned to, to run like that, you know, especially we get into the adult world, but I'm not gonna rant. <laughs> <laughs> All great points. And, you know, I didn't even share with you this, Didi, and it just further adds to what you just shared in your statements was that I was living in the suburbs and so I went to my primary care doctor in the suburbs. She had been my doctor for, I think, maybe two years, three years, mm -hmm. somewhere around there. She was a Caucasian lady. The doctor my mom referred me to was into the city. She was a Somalian lady. So there's a stark difference right there. Exactly. And I try not to lead with that, but it is a reality that okay. these health disparities, the way black and brown people are treated when they go into the doctor with a concern, a valid concern, Absolutely. and they're basically blown off like, oh, it's nothing, or don't worry about it, or, you know, you you're not in that much pain, whatever it is. And it's typical. Now, I really tried not to focus on her anymore after I got the diagnosis mm -hmm. because that was just going to derail everything else, right. you know? Right. So I'm like, whatever. I just know not, you know, know what not to do going forward. And so that really sparked me to become my own best advocate. And thankfully, DDI had a really great oncologist and healthcare team down the road. Right. I'm so, um, I'm, I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, and I'm glad that you have bounced back. Uh, congratulations on your, your cancer birthday. Thank you. Um, you, I read that you had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm -hmm. What type of cancer is that? Sure. So Hodgkin's lymphoma is considered a blood cancer. And that is when the lymph 
nodes are not, um, the lymph are not um, carrying away bacteria, fluid and things like that, the way that they're supposed to. And so that's what causes the lymph nodes to swell up and things like that. Now, I would like to say that all of us have cancer cells in our bodies, but if our immune systems are doing their jobs properly, it's, our bodies are constantly fighting those cancer cells off. And if our immune systems are not functioning to the level where they should be, hence stress, not getting enough rest, that kind of thing, then something like one of those cancer cells can kind of sneak in. And so, um, again, it's a blood cancer and it impacts the lymph system, the lymph nodes. Now, and, and I'm not going to keep dragging you through this. Is mm -hmm. there a specific type of test that your oncologist did to, to get to your diagnosis? Yes, Dee, there were three actually. Oh, okay. And um, so I'll walk you through them quickly. So the first thing my doctor had uh, recommended was that I have an ultrasound. So they did an ultrasound on my neck and I could tell by the technician something was wrong. They always She's give like, it away. Oh, they, they <laughs> give it away. And so I tried to pry and she's like, oh, I don't have any answers. You know, they have to review it. And so someone got back to me and said it was inconclusive. Okay. So about three, four days later, I went back in. This time I had a fine needle aspiration. That is where they take a very small needle and then they go into that area and they draw some tissues and cells, things like that, and test that. That came back inconclusive because they didn't get a large enough sample size. So finally, they say, Talia, we're going to have to do a biopsy on that lymph node. We're not going to take the whole lymph node. We're just going to take a large piece of it. Did that. And then that's how I got um, my diagnosis. Okay. Um, if it's okay, I'll add that some of the symptoms, which I didn't actually start experiencing until once I got the diagnosis, now, mind you, this is a year of me walking around with cancer. Wow. Mind you. So um, it didn't hit me at the time, but I was tired a lot. Mm -hmm. I just attributed it to, you know, working a lot, stress from work, whatever. But fatigue is a symptom. Night sweats are a symptom. And then also like weight loss are a symptom as well. And then, um, as I got closer to the time to start having chemotherapy, I started developing lumps on, um, under my arms, wow. um, armpits. Um, I had a couple lumps in my chest. And so it's really interesting because it was like, once I got that diagnosis, things started progressing quickly, right. but then mind you, it's a year later too. So. Yeah. And, you know, just thankfully you decided to switch doctors and find out because you could have went to two years and, yeah. and, and some of those symptoms sound like stuff that, you know, we go through menopause, PCOS, you know, mm -hmm. different things like that. So yeah. who would know, you know, it, it's, it's just fascinating that, um, how did your mental health help you or hinder you or spiral I, I know that there's a story. I know. Yeah. So I, I want to say this. I think looking back, Dee, Dee prior to the diagnosis, 
I think I was in, in a state of maybe like a light or mild depression before because I was working a job I hated. I was in a toxic working environment. There were probably so-called friendships and things like that that I really needed to get rid of. So it's like the diagnosis made me stop and look at everything. Okay. And so um, I would have to say that the things that I was putting so much emphasis on that changed, I started looking more at myself, focusing more on myself. And I actually, even though I got this diagnosis, I actually felt better because I knew it was going to be an opportunity for me to just focus on me. Right. And so um, I would say maybe in the middle of my cancer treatment, I started seeing a social worker slash therapist that helped some, but um, the hospital where I was going, you know, he was an older Caucasian man. So there was only so much I could share and, um, or felt like I could share, but it did help with like the surface level things. Wow. And um, there was, of course, times, I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, it was just so easy. But there were times of like anxiety because there's so much uncertainty involved with cancer. But then also, you know, the guilt piece, as I mentioned, um, when I was not able to really work out and do the things that I used to do, there was a little bit of depression there. But, you know, when this started, and I want to start by saying I'm not like this Jesus freak or anything, but I know there's a God. I believe oh, there's a God. Definitely. And when I got that diagnosis, I asked and I prayed for God to show me what to do. And he did that. And I think that's what helped me a lot too, because it was like, I just started jumping in into gear, doing right. things and having this mindset of, you know what, I'm going to get through this. And that's how I started it. You know, of course I was scared, but there was never a period where I just sat in deep depression. And I know that that's from God. I really that's do. Awesome. That is awesome. Um, my brother was the same way. Uh, I, I read on your site that someone said that you were so positive throughout your, even during your, your treatment. And my brother was the same way. You know, I sat there, I would be crying some days and he'd be, you know, a beat. and I, it, it got bad, you know, like you said at different times, but he was very, you know, I, I think that helps, you know, the positivity probably helps to heal. Yeah. Um, the corporate thing. I, I'm going to whole different I, podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm going to do an episode. I have it written down on my list um, because I shared that I had my breakdown at work and the things that I was going through. I hated it, um, but, you know, had to pay the bills and different things like that. Um, but to share, you know, when you said about being a God freak, I believe that there's a higher power that controls everything, you know, no matter what you believe. And these experiences that we had pushed us to start these platforms to help other people. So, you know, some days when I'm in my darkest, that's what I think of, you know, like, and I got to stay home and raise my daughters. So there's always a bright side to, to that. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, Thank you know, you. Um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Tell us about your organization. 
Sure. So on the other side is an organization that really I found it out of needs that I had. So I mentioned a little bit earlier that I had a great oncologist and healthcare team, but there were still gaps, Didi. And by that, I mean, there really wasn't anyone who looked like me. I was the youngest person every time in the chemo infusion room on the pamphlets and brochures, there were no black women, brown women. It was like, we didn't get cancer. And so the gap that I was experiencing was there was no one to talk to who had been through something similar. But then also, you know, I had a hard time eating. And so just trying to find some things that I could eat when I didn't want to eat, but I needed to eat to keep my strength up. And so that was difficult, even though they referred me to like a dietitian. I mean, it was like things I already knew, like the pyramid, like I know that already. So, um, but then also what I found along the way was that a lot of people didn't know how to talk about cancer. People would say the weirdest stuff to me. And I'm just like, what? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And so the other piece that I really found, you know, um, I hate to say enjoyable, but it kind of kept me going was to, was understanding and learning about what cancer really was and what kind of cancer I had understanding my treatment options and all of that. Now I understand that other people, that may be something that they have no interest in. But those are things you need to know to make the best treatment options for yourself. And so I found it on the other side because I wanted to fill the gap between the medical and the emotional sides of cancer. And what I do is I cover four key areas plus whatever else the people, the folks that I'm working with need support on. And again, it's understanding your treatment options, but then also alternative care. It is uh, nutrition and then also uh, communication. So in I forgot the most important piece, emotional support and mindset. So helping people to get to that place where they can step into their power and advocate for themselves. And um, all of these things that I provide is really based on the person's needs. So it's personalized to them as well. So do do you do this alone or do you have a team or um, how, how did you go about getting... Did you start out doing it by yourself or did you start out having a group of people help you out? I actually started by myself and I'm still doing it by myself. Um, It's one of those things, Dee, that a lot of people are still not aware of. Okay. And um, I'll start off by saying that I was calling myself originally a cancer coach. Mm-hmm. But that word coach was everywhere. I'm like, I just don't like that word anymore. <laughs> it's just <laughs> everywhere. And I feel like there's a stronger word for what I do and a more personable word. And so I knew of birth doulas. So I said, you know, that is a very meaningful way to help someone. Let me investigate that word doula. And so when you really break the word doula down, It is basically someone who supports another person through a major life change or significant health-related experience. If that isn't cancer, I don't know what is. And so I said, I'm going to call myself a cancer doula. 
Now, uh, mind you, Dee Dee, I um, officially, officially started my business in 2019. But while I was still in corporate America, I went through this coaching program. So I got a coaching certification. I left corporate America at the end of 2018, kind of took the holidays to just really think, regroup, and try to mm -hmm. decompress from the corporate world. And January of 2019, I said, I'm just going to get out here and, you know, do the best that I can and see what happens. And so a lot of what I do is helping people to understand as well what it is a cancer doula is right. in regards to what I do. And again, that's a new word for a lot of people. So again, it's just really, I'm really supporting other people that have been impacted by cancer and focusing on their needs. Right. And, you know, that was one of my questions. Uh, tell us what a cancer doula is. Um, I always heard of the saying, the birth doulas. And actually a friend just posted an article. He's a death doula. Yes. And so, you know, I, that opened up my eyes to like, well, maybe there's more to this word, you know, than, yes. you know, just the birthing part of it. Yeah. So I think that that's a wonderful, wonderful thing I like the word you know I think that it describes and and not to sound you know I don't know but it when I hear doula I do immediately think of an African-American person mm -hmm. for some reason I just do um and, and I know that there's many of us around you know many people around the world that do that um but I always you know as soon as I hear that word I think of it a, a black person I don't yeah. know why Maybe it's the, the, the healing side of us that, um, so I know I that you said right. you have. I think you're right, Didi. I, I never thought of that before. And, you know, quickly, I'll just point out a couple of things that I also like to share with people. Think about it this way. Okay, a birth doula is the beginning of life. You're right. helping someone bring life into the world. A death doula is someone who is helping someone transition to the end of life. Right. And as a cancer doula, I focus on the present, the here and now with my clients so that they can get over this thing called cancer that's in front of them. But while they're healing from cancer, what other areas of your life do you need to pay attention to? So that when you get on the other side of cancer, you can start to create and manifest the life that you really want because it's really all about transformation as well. It's a time for healing. You have such a peaceful spirit. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm loving sitting here listening to you. Um, what type of emotional services? And, and I'm asking this because, because of the several inc um, incidents that I was involved in, there wasn't support for family members much support for family members after the, you know, everything was over. So what type of emotional mental health support do you provide for, or, or share with the family and the people that are, are living with it? Absolutely. That's a great question. Well, I'll start off by sharing that um, I'm a certified mental health first aider. So a lot of those uh, concepts I utilize but really, DD, it's about making sure that both parties, the person who's going through cancer and then the caregiver, that they're being taken care of, giving them the tools and resources to better 
talk to each other and communicate. Implementing things like journaling to get those those feelings and those thoughts out of themselves. Uh, Positive affirmations, really sitting down and being someone who is, um, what is that word I'm looking for? Who really um, is not biased to one side or the other. So giving them a space where they can really talk about their true feelings and what they're experiencing, but then also helping them to reframe and figure out how they can move from those places that really aren't serving them. That's cool. That's, um, that's helpful. Like I said, that's not something that's often thought about, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially when I talk about my sister's side. And, and I'm sure that her immediate family probably had, you know, like her son, they had the care, but, you know, like the surrounding her friends and stuff like that. Um, and the same with my, with my, with my brother, I mean, they would take me in the back, you know, when they were running his test to point out what the tests were and, and explain the different, you know, types of cells and what we should be looking for, you know, when he went for his MRI, um, the doctor was trying to put me out and his uh, support, his cancer person, I call him, was like, she's staying right here. She's staying right here because we're going to explain to her what's going on with her brother. And I, I think that all around, that's an awesome way to support everyone involved. And yes. I think that it's great that you realize that all of those things are important after the fact, because you could have just left your experience and went on living a good life, you know, and not paying attention, but you chose to make sure that people that won't come after you won't experience some of the things that you did. And I'm, I'm sure that that helps millions. I say millions all the time, but because it's true, you never know where your voice is going. Mm -hmm. So something like that just changes millions of people. And, And I think that it's amazing. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Here's another question. Did you have the same support that you provide, you know, as far as your family, friendships? Did you have that same support? You know, I'm going to start off, Didi, by saying, sharing something, because I know a lot of people experience this. On a certain level, yes, I had the support of my mom and my brother, like they were my rocks, they were there, you know, um, there were about six people, Didi, that I initially shared my diagnosis with, and four of those people should not have known, and I'm just going to be blunt and say there was, now looking back, those people were not really for me. Um, There were people that I expected to be there that were not. And that was very hurtful. But, you know, I'm saying this to anyone out there who's experiencing something similar. Don't dwell on that. That has nothing to do with you, but that has everything to do with that person for whatever reason. Maybe they don't have the mental capacity or maybe they don't have the emotional capacity, whatever. Some people just can't deal with certain things. Um, So in a sense, I had that support. Um, I had a great oncologist again. I wish I would have, you know, had support from the people that I expected it to get it from. But, you know, I always say God gives you what you need. Right. And 
my mom and my brother were exactly what I needed and that they're, they are enough. Wonderful. Um, I'm not as um, kind as you. I've been pissed off for a long time um, with the group of people that weren't there. There are some people that I have not heard from until this day. And we're talking about my breakdown happened in 2006. Oh, and wow. these are people in my home and I'm entertaining them and going to their homes and stuff like that. And um, it pisses me off. You know, and and I've gotten better with it because, like you said, the people that you need are going to remain, but it it makes you angry, it you does. know, initially that these people that you poured into because I know just from listening to you that you poured into those people, and and they can't do the same. And for some, yes, understandably, they don't know how to, but for some, it's just selfishness and. And that's the part I think that gets me, you know, so you're very kind, <laughs> very, very you know, kind. A lot because. of prayer. And, and, you know, in those situations, Didi, you know how they say you have to pick your battles. That is a time when you really have to pick your battles. Right. The little bit of energy I have, where am I, I going to focus that energy? And that's what helped me to get to that point. Um, and, and that's kind of how I would recommend anyone listening to reframe that how how is me being mad at this person serving me right you know they're already showing you how they feel but don't carry that with you because that's not a reflection of you that's not anything that you can control you can control how you respond or react to that situation and the people that the people that we expect to be there, the people that we've done things for and helped, a lot of times they're not the same people that are gonna show up for us. Definitely. And is something, Didi, as serious as cancer, you want people there you can trust. Right. You know, there were one person in particular that went to a couple appointments and went back and gossiped about my weight or you know, went back and gossiped about whatever. And it got back to me. And that was so hurtful. It's like, I'm fighting for my life, but you're gossiping about my weight or how my hair looks or whatever. Like, so um, it was best that those people didn't hang around. You know, that's unnecessary, bad energy that I didn't need anyway. And so I just want to encourage people to really focus on the things that you can control, which is not a whole lot in that case, but you can control how you respond to things, how you look at things. This is why there's people like you in the world, because people like me are are walking around, you know, wanting to beat up everybody, which is not (laughs) true. I have let go of a lot of, I have, you know, as far as that is concerned, I have let go of a lot of things. Um, And and it's wonderful that your mom and your brother, you know, are, are your key. Um, I remember when my brother started chemo, my sister-in-law was still working. And so she couldn't stay with him all day. So I would go up there every week and, and sit with him. And her mom, um, one of the first or second times that I went up there, she goes, I just think that it's so amazing. You come up here on the bus, you know, to, to sit with him. And you don't see that. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, like, but you're right. She's right. You know, you don't see that kind of 
devotion, even though it's your immediate family. So it's a gem. It's truly a gem. Um, what made you, and, and I'll ask this, you know, quickly, what made you decide to, because I know you have things to do, what made you decide to go into pod, the podcast field? Oh, yes, Didi. So I'm an introvert by nature, but I love to form those meaningful relationships. Like I'm not really a big small talk person because of the work that I'm in. I've kind of, you know, gotten better at it, but I, I really like to have these kind of conversations like you and I are having and have had. And so one thing that I was doing when COVID started, I was hosting monthly virtual get togethers. They were free. And every month I would talk about a different topic or I would bring in a professional to talk about a topic related to cancer. But um, towards, well, I guess COVID is still here, but um, towards 2021, like spring of 2021, I started noticing a drop in the attendance of people. And I said, well, people are starting to get back to work, get back to life, whatever. So I had always wanted to do a podcast, but you know how we can talk ourselves out of things. And I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I never did it before. It may cost a lot of money, but I started doing the research and I'm like, okay, I can do this. I'm just going to get started and I'm going to learn as I go. And so August of uh, August 5th of 2021, I believe I started my first, released my first episode, but I really released it for two reasons, uh, because people were no longer attending the virtual get together. Mm-hmm. I wanted a way for people to get good information whenever it was convenient for them, okay. but then also for the people who could not afford to pay for my services, I wanted them to be able to have resources as well. And so that's really what my podcast uh, stands for. That's why I started it. It's really a way to give back. It's a way for people to hear from other people who have been through tough situations, but then also get resources and, and information to learn about holistic and alternative or complementary therapies that are available as well. And of course, to give hope and inspiration. So those are all the reasons why I started it. And I will tell everyone that I, I did listen to one. I'm not going to tell you that I listened to all. But <laughs> there's like, a lot. <laughs> like, same. I started, you said you started August 21. I started May of 21. Nice. Um, and, and it's just been my voice all this time. Um, nice. Congratulations. Because you, you're going to have an anniversary too. Yes. Um, your voice is just so peaceful. Thank you. And it was comforting even to see, you know, like we had our conversation and, you know, we're talking now, but when I went to listen to pieces of your podcast, I'm like, her voice is still the same. So I'm (laughs) sure, you know, that it it just draws people in and it is comforting. You know, Um, I always say I talk like Mickey Mouse. So, you know, some people are... (laughs) I like your um, voice though. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, and, and I'm part of the introvert club too. Um, and like I told you, it always, I still, it still amazes me that so many of us are introverts, mm-hmm. um, but you are officially part of my circle. So thank you. Proud you know, make sure that you stay in touch. <laughs> thank you. Yes. So thank you. what are your final words? Give us some of your wisdom 
Sure. So one thing I want to touch on a couple of things is, first of all, if anyone out there has recently received a cancer diagnosis or they're in the depths of treatment, anything like that, you know, I want to encourage people to not immediately think about death. Just because you get a diagnosis, it does not mean that your life is over. A lot of people, more and more people are surviving cancer more than ever. Now, on the flip side of that, they're, they're not they're still catching up and trying to figure out how to care for people who have survived cancer. So that's, that's, that's the other part about it. But when you get that diagnosis, don't immediately think about, oh, I'm going to die. Think about how can you live? Okay. The other part is if someone is experiencing mental health challenges, I don't even want to say issues, but mental health challenges, because wording is important. Um, don't feel like you're a horrible person. Don't feel like you're just something's deathly wrong with you. Right. You know, it's something that happens. A lot of times we're all, we've all experienced trauma, especially if you live long enough, you're going to experience it multiple times. Right. We have not been taught how to properly work through that trauma and release that trauma. So a lot of times we're carrying that with us for years and years, and it can be a certain situation. It can be a work situation that can cause all of those things to just kind of bubble up and come to the, to the top. But, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to people, someone you trust, of course, and ask for that help and get that support. Because the longer that you wait, that's the more that you have to suffer and you don't have to suffer by yourself. Get the help that you need. Don't worry about any stigmas. Don't worry about what your family says. The other thing is don't wait until you feel like something is not going well to talk to a therapist. I recommend talking to a therapist when you think things are going good exactly. and um, just don't be afraid to get the help that you need. You, you, you owe it to yourself. Especially in our communities, we are so stubborn, yeah. <laughs> you know, when it comes yeah. to mental health challenges. So your podcast is called Navigating Cancer Together, but tell mm -hmm. us the other places. I, I, I read about your social media um, break, and, and I think that's amazing. I've heard a lot of people saying it lately. Um, you're Thank not you. the first. Um, so tell us where else we can find you. Yes. Um, as you mentioned, Navigating Cancer Together, you can find it on all the podcast platforms and uh, you can find me, find me on Instagram on the other side, one seven. You can find me on Facebook on the other side, Cancer Doula. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. You can just find me under my name, Talia Dendy. And then um, Twitter, and my Twitter's fairly new. I think it's NCT Podcast Fan. And um, so that's where you can find me on Twitter. And uh, if you go to my website on the other side, that life, then you can see all the links and everything there also. And guys, I will have to lay the information on my website as a resource. You. Um, so you can also go to my page and on my website and find it. I thank you so much. Um, thank you. Not just for coming on, but you, sh you shared so much and you were just so 
um, comforting, inspiring. And I I wish you the best, the best of luck. I hope you continue on this path of success. And I hope that we can work together another time. Thank you, Dee Dee. Thank you so much for having me. Again, I'm so glad that we met and I would be honored to um, come back again. And we're definitely going to stay in touch and do other things together. So thank you, Dee Dee. Take care of yourself. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thank you for your support. If you don't already do it, go follow, follow, follow me everywhere. I'm everywhere. Unfortunately, sometimes (laughs) I'm everywhere. Uh, And you can always go to divawithdepression.com and that will have all the information that you need to get in touch with me. Please listen, share, especially when you hear episodes like this. There are so many people that will benefit from hearing this information. So please, please, please share with someone who will benefit from, from this information. Thank you to Illumination Media Technology for, you know, you know what I say, guys, all my techie needs since I don't know what I'm doing. Please, please, please stay well, stay peaceful, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.